Welcome to Growing Empowered Eaters. I'm your host, Ahuva Magda Hirschkop, mom of three, registered dietitian, and women's empowerment coach. I work with women around the world to support them in reclaiming their power, tapping back into their intuition, and harnessing the true power of the dinner table to raise empowered humans. Want to find out how? Listen along, and you'll be sure to learn. Alexandra, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. We've had many wonderful conversations and I'm excited for our next one right now. As am I. So if you wouldn't mind just telling, you know, the listeners a little bit about yourself, sort of how you, you know, came to be really how your, your business has evolved and, you know, all the things. Yeah. So I am a physician. I train in family medicine. I'll just say my husband and I met the first week of medical school. We've now been married for 26 years and have four children and Uh he continues to practice medicine. And I had a small holistic medical practice north of Boston. Oh, I want to say coming up on 20 years ago. Um, And I found that I prioritize my patient's over my family and my family over myself. And it really wasn't a time management issue because I was accomplishing a lot and had been for a long time. But there was a way in which I just couldn't get it right to put my own oxygen mask on first. I don't really like that analogy because that's something that you need in times of stress and when the plane is going down. But I really wanted to be able to honor myself and model that for my children. Like I was okay living this way, but I couldn't bear to have my children learn that this is how women do it. And So I ended up taking a sabbatical from my medical practice because I just needed like a clean slate to try to do this. And I say a clean slate, except that I had three of our four children at that time, a household, a husband, I was volunteering at my kid's school. Like I wasn't just putting my feet up and twiddling my thumbs, but professionally speaking that time I devoted to reorganizing my soul so that I could even know what I desired and honor myself and then serve my family and my patients from there. Although this journey resulted in my not going back to practicing clinical medicine. Instead, I became a relationship and intimacy coach. And in many ways, I show other women how to do this, but it's in the context of supporting them and having juicy, passionate relationships. So I love that because, you know, as you know, I'm by profession, I'm a registered dietitian, but in the last year and a half have really been evolving into creating the program, which now is the fulfilled feminine, which is, is really, you know, so in line with what you're talking about is I was just talking about this, with the client actually, you know, as, as women, as mothers, especially with young children, you know, and as, as they grow, even tapping back into, as you said, that understanding of what are our desires and what are our needs. And also that so many of us end up trapped in this position where not only do we put the needs of others above ourselves, right? But it's also, we put the desires and those highest level desires of other people before our even basic needs. 
It is so true. And it's true to the extent that a woman who is competent and knows how to handle things and perceive what's missing and create fundraising events and a beautiful family meal, like all the things. And I'll say to her, well, what do you desire? And either what she desires is that her children are taken care of or everybody has what they need or that the laundry gets done, which in my book, those are not desires. I mean, mean, they're nice. Yeah, they're (laughs) nice, but they're more to-do list items. I mean, the exception is, you know, that the children are well taken care of. That's a little bit more complicated. It's not just something you check off on your to-do list, but a desire arises from inside and we don't really control what our desires are. And if they don't light us up, then it's not a desire. So if um, getting the laundry done just makes you smile and feel gratified and just you love the smell of the laundry fresh out of the dryer, then by all means, you can consider doing the laundry or getting it done a desire. But if you're talking about getting the laundry done because otherwise you still have to do it, that is not a desire. So anyway, when women who are attending to others' needs in a deep and successful way or not, I ask, what do you want? What are your desires? Either there's a modified to-do list or she gets quiet yeah and really doesn't know and that's exactly how i was like this whole idea of okay well what do you want never mind actually making it happen just what do you want just to have that information to have that self awareness and connect with another part of myself than i was living from every day I really came up kind of dry when I started this. And that is not unusual at all. I, you know, I've had that experience also where, you know, I'm lucky to have a lot of um, family support around and, you know, like we have five-year-old twins and a a 17-month-old and times even where family would be like, you know what, I'll take the kids for the day. Let's say you do something that you want to do. And I, found this resistance even to having, you know, a couple of years ago to having somebody do that because number one, there was so much mom guilt, right? Which so many of us are, are, can relate to around having somebody else watch my kids, but also there was this underlying feeling of, I don't even know what I would do with my time, right? I don't even know what those things are that I would want to do if I had a day to myself. It's almost easier to still have that running to-do list and that, that, you know, everything to sort of keep you busy um, when you actually have trouble tapping back into, well, what would I want to do with my time if I wasn't doing this? And to be frank, it is much easier and it can feel like it revs you up to be annoyed that you never get any time to yourself as opposed to actually having some time to yourself and how do you want to use it Mm -hmm. so that when that time has been completed, 
you actually feel energized and enthusiastic to go back into your life rather than like, oh, you don't actually feel any better. In fact, that was something that was quite a learning curve with my husband where he would say, yeah, you know, go, we, we did not have family support. It's beautiful to hear you talk about that. That's such a particular form of abundance it really to have is. people around you to support you. But anyway, that's not what I experienced, but my husband who was working 70 to 90, hundred hours a week, he still understood the situation and would say, okay, you know what, why don't you take three hours this afternoon mm-hmm. and just spend them however you want to spend them. And so there was a real learning curve in not spending them grocery shopping or cleaning the bathroom because I didn't have a toddler attached to me while doing it, you know, things like that. But anyway, once I got past that phase, I might have like go for a walk in the park or sit in a cafe and read or have a massage. Like I might do something more or less luxurious, more or less costly, more or less special to others, but still significant to me. And then I'd come home and as soon as I'd walk in the door, I'd be like, okay, I got to pick it up again. And my husband was confused, frustrated, annoyed. Like I'm, I'm making sure that you have this time you're taking it why do you come back and things are worse? (laughs) And that's not true anymore. That's for sure. And my whole point in saying all of this is it's really a learning curve. It's a learning curve to listen to what you desire. It's a learning curve to really enjoy being connected with the part of yourself that doesn't just want to get things done and isn't only grateful for everything you already have. And there's a way in which if you're not oriented to this, this conversation could sound so indulgent, Yeah, but it really isn't. I know that what I'm about to say is totally true of you as well as it is of me that one of my main motivators, I don't actually know if this is true, but one of my, of you, but one of my main motivators in taking myself through this journey and having enough skills to absolutely guide others is that I wanted something different for my children. I really wanted them to learn how to be in right relationship with themselves, listen to their desires and know which ones they wanted to make come true, which ones would be secret fantasies, which ones were like opening to some new aspect of their personality or purpose. And if I didn't figure that out for myself, then they would be just as trapped as I was because this is something we learned through modeling. So yes, I personally got great benefit, but it wasn't actually my motivating impulse at all. I think that I hear, you know, that's definitely something that I resonate with because I think that, you know, even in um, obviously my background in pediatric nutrition, right? We say all the time, we, we model 
right? Mm -hmm. Our kids model, Mm -hmm. uh, our kids learn from modeling, not from what we say. And I think that one of the biggest challenges sometimes that parents face generally, and particularly women and mothers is we try and say things in the hopes that our kids will pick them up. And we totally don't reflect that in our own actions. And then we sort of wind up confused when our kids mirror back the things that we've actually modeled, not the things that we've said. Right. And yes. so like, what do you mean? I said to you a million times, you know, and one example that um, I find it's very common in families is, you know, what do you mean? I'm, I said to you a million times, you can eat whatever you want. You can eat as much or as little you can eat. And for women who are still sort of steeped in diet culture, they, their kids don't see them doing that. Right. And then they sort of end up confused as to how that message didn't translate. And so I totally relate to, you know, having to make that serious shift to ensuring that we're actually modeling what we want our kids to see, not just talking at them and hoping that's what they pick up. Yeah. And I, I really like that you brought that up. And I think it's, it's easy to think, well, if I just said it differently, or if I had a different intention, it would be more successful. And from, I think it's really quite helpful to remember that mammals learn through imitation. We know this about baby lions and baby tigers and baby bunnies and baby birds. Like they all learn from the modeling of their mother in particular, and sometimes parents. And yes, we human beings, we can talk very, very well about what should and shouldn't occur, but fundamentally we also are mammals and it's the modeling, which is the primary thing. I was listening actually to a really incredible conversation among educators of high school girls yesterday. And one of the questions that was asked of these educators was, how can I make it so that my child feels safe to come to me with whatever is going on and so that they confide in me and turn to me as a resource resource and not be stuck and isolated or turn to peer pressure, or, you know, peers who aren't really in a position to advise. And um, regardless, well, the answer that was given by the educator is you have to make it safe. You have to really tell your children, you can come to me with anything, no matter what it is, no matter what you're thinking, you don't have to be scared, just come to me, it's gonna be okay. And I was not on the panel, I was just listening, but- You You wish you were on the panel. (laughs) Right, because I'm like, yeah, okay. You do need to say that. Do not leave something that important to inference, but give me a break. You can say as often as you want, you can tell me anything. It's going to be fine. I'm just going to want to help you figure it out. But if when your adolescent girl comes to you and says something that goes completely against your personal belief system or your vision for your child or what you think should happen in your family or anything that is goes against your own values or desires, What's the likelihood that you're going to receive that with the equanimity and loving acceptance 
that you're telling your child to expect. That's really the place where you need to put your attention. You need to cultivate yourself so that when the thing comes, you both have the skills to handle it if it's triggering and your first response really is in line with what you're promising. So that's just another example of the importance of modeling and authenticity way beyond what you say, although it's also very important to say those things. Absolutely. And I think that it's, it's one of the places, you know, I see this, especially with younger children, they totally relate to that. Um, I have one of our kids is she's like me. She, you know, learning is a challenge in that she doesn't like not knowing things. Mm. I'm like, I want to know everything right away. And she's the Mm. exact same way. And it's been a really strong learning curve, even for me to start sort of modeling, uh, comfort with the uncertainty, Yeah, comfort with uncertainty, you know, comfort with the struggle in learning, right. In, in, you don't have to be an expert or you're not an expert in something the first time that you do it. And that was, you know, one example that's been really prominent. She's five. And so, um, you know, really being mindful of that as she's learning and growing as well. Yeah, that's a really beautiful example. So, you know, in uh, starting your work with some of these women, what's, what's, you know, maybe one of the first places, because I know I was incredibly just, you know, uncomfortable in starting to make these shifts. It's definitely a challenge as it sounded like for you. Um, you know, what's some of the first places sometimes that you see or some of the first you know strategies that you might um you know talk to women about who are just starting out and even like starting this process or thinking about you know how they can even start developing or or recognizing or um you know tapping into their needs or desires i'm going to share basically an exercise which if you're hearing this for the first time you may think that's like a nothing that's unimportant. And I just want to say in bold italicized capital letters, this is such a profound exercise. If you actually do it, no matter where you are in relation to your desires, your modeling, your personal growth and development. And that is to three times a day, you can do it every hour. You can do it once a day, you know, make it your own. But three times a day, stop what you're doing. Check in and notice how you feel. And then write down on a piece of paper or in your phone, I feel whatever that feeling is. And that is a right way to feel. I feel tense. And that is a right way to feel. I feel exhausted and that is a right way to feel. I feel tingly with excitement and that is a right way to feel because everything that we've spoken about so far is a reflection of either being harmoniously connected with how you feel and what your experience is or being numb, 
disconnected in denial or something of that sort. So I'll share that when I first did this exercise, something that was an assignment for me from Mama Gina, Regina Thomas Hauer, from the School of Womanly Arts who wrote the New York Times bestseller book, Pussy. When she gave me this exercise, I it was just so funny to me because I would write down, I feel like I should get everything done. And that is the right way to feel. <laughs> or yeah, I feel like the house is a mess and that is the right way to feel. In other words, they weren't feelings. They yeah. were observations yeah. and transpositions of my to-do list. And to slow down enough to be able to notice how I feel was such a shift for me. But after that, I could speed up in all kinds of ways. And mm -hmm. really everything that we're talking about in terms of you can eat whatever you want as much as you want, but then modeling diet culture or um, becoming comfortable with not having all of the answers or being someone who can be present when a 15 year old girl comes and says she's been cutting herself or getting high yeah. or whatever it is that might trigger you. Yeah. The, the common transformational pivot with all of those is being connected with how you feel and in acceptance of it, because then it's with your whole self that you can evolve and be present. And without the awareness of your feelings, that becomes impossible. So I had a very similar experience to you in that, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, the life coach school thought yes. model, right? So yes. there's circumstance, um, you know, the, for anyone who's listening, the basic premise is there's a circumstance and your immediate thought around that can create your immediate feelings, which creates certain actions, which creates certain results. And if we can shift the thought that we're having, we can shift the feeling and then shift different actions and create different results that we might want to create in our lives. And, you know, for me in working through those models, there was a certain time where I recognized that it was, it was helpful to have that second model, but it, in, in preparing that second model or in, you know, writing that out, it was sort of like an immediate shift from that feeling that was in that first one, right? That whether it was, you know, as positive or as negative as, as that feeling was, it was almost a rush into well, what feeling can I create? How can I replace this feeling, right? How can I replace it with something that might feel better or create a different result or shift me towards something else instead of, as you were saying, you know, getting the comfort and developing the safety really to just feel that feeling wholly and fully and explore that and sit with it and, you know, work through everything that that brings up, knowing that I didn't have to rush through it. Yeah. You're pointing to a very sophisticated and to me, relevant and complex paradigm shift that really gets at different styles of coaching. And I'll say in my own coaching, 
I do use the model mm -hmm. when the issue is how someone is thinking about something. Yeah. And I don't want to go near the model when the issue is about wholeness and yeah. presence and being right with what is. There, there are ways in which the model can help access that, but if it involves bypassing the feelings or diminishing their reality, it gets very complicated. And I don't know how far you wanna go on this topic, but the more intellectual a person is, the more likely they are to be attracted to using the thought model, to using mm -hmm. Byron Katie's work, to, to the life coach school methodology. And I think it is so, so important for us to be able to use our minds to transform, evolve, and really nurture our personal development. However, in the process, we can sometimes miss out on the juice, the vitality, the expanded range that comes when we also explicitly and directly honor what's happening in our emotions and what's happening in our bodies, including our genitalia. Let's be very, very clear. Any kind of transformation which is real, but rooted in the neck up mm -hmm. is going to serve as much as it's gonna serve, but it is not going to go all the way. And it is an outstanding place to start. So yeah. I don't actually know if that was a conversation you wanted to have. This totally feels like shop talk for coaches, but it's about the nature of being a woman also. Totally, but I think that it is, I think that even in, in this exploration, it's a really great point because I think that especially for women sometimes who are so used to, you know, like the logical thinking, right? Like to-do lists, getting things done, that sort of organization, um, sometimes even exploring our needs, our desires can be a really cerebral or almost they try, we try and make it like a logical exercise instead of, you know, allowing for thought from the neck down really yeah and in fact if you want to do the exercise I described earlier identifying your feelings or you want to consider what it is that you desire I recommend you go ahead let's go with desires and you think about what you desire and maybe mm -hmm. write it down and then just put your hand on your heart and think about what you desire and then put your hand at the top of your legs, whether it's on top of your clothes or not, and see what you desire. And you're quite likely to have different answers. And one isn't better or worse. One isn't more potent. One isn't more true. It's that I'm, I'm really still so taken with the name of your program, the fulfilled feminine and the fulfilled feminine is going to have many flavors. And in a way, fundamentally, what we're talking about is making room for all those flavors at the table, because I'll also say that there are a lot of 
teachers and programs who talk about the feminine as this breathy, emotionally varied phenomenon. And that is one flavor, but there is no woman who needs to set her brain aside in or and her competence and her ambition and her knowing that has gotten her so far. There's no woman that needs to put that aside in order to tap into all of the passion that's also available. In fact, I not only, but I often work with very high achieving women. And one of the things we need to get clear right away is no, you do not need to become a different woman. You do not need to let go of what has served you so well to accomplish what you've accomplished. We're just talking about adding additional flavors to the already beautiful flavor of your existence. I love that. And I think that's, that is really so important in, I think some of the concerns, right. That, that women often have is like, am I going to, you know, do I need to sort of burn all of this down in order to change? Right. And it's even, you know, what if I tap into my desire or something that I need, or I explore one of my needs and they come in, in, you know, in opposition to the needs of somebody else in my family or a friend or a something. And, you know, how do we navigate that? I think that, that in starting to explore some of these things, there's so much support that we as women often need in, in creating that safety for ourselves to do that. Yes. And modeling, (laughs) like we're talking about that with our children, but, um, I don't think that when, clients work with me, and I'm sure this is true of you too. I don't think most of them explicitly choose to work with me for the sake of modeling. They want my attention on them and for me to coach them or for one of my online programs that they learn the information that I share. But after working with me, they're all very clear to say that they don't necessarily use the word modeling, but like you showed me what was possible. That is actually modeling. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I know that you have a new program coming up. I'd love if you could tell, you know, my listeners a little bit more about that as well. Yes, I would love to. So it's called desires awaken the woman within most of my programs are co-ed, but this one is for women. And It's actually a fairly short, sweet, and super potent program where you'll learn how to know what you want, how to make friends with your desires. Sometimes when we have desires, they can feel taboo or we have other judgments. I shouldn't want that. I should want this. How to really make peace with your, so how to identify your desires, how to make peace with your desires, And then my all-time favorite section in the course is how to ask for what you want. So it feels really good to give it to you. Okay. That's still, I think for so many people, a work in progress, right? Is just asking directly for things that, that we want. Yeah. And this is a program for you know, if, if this is a new conversation to you, you're hearing, and these are all new ideas, you're going to love the program. And if this is a conversation that you're like, 
Oh yeah, that is true. And I know this well, it's also a program for you because wherever we are, a little more adding, I'm gonna say salt, but I think I'll say lube to our desires, <laughs> really enhances life for us, yes. And for our partners, yes. And for our children, yes. And for anyone that we interact with yeah. in our extended family or friends and our work, when you are a woman who is awakened from within, meaning you're in touch with your desires, life really does shift into technicolor. I love that. And I love that, you know, even the exploration of desires in so many different elements of our lives, right? We, we like, whether it's professionally, whether it's, you know, like, where do I want to be in 10 years, whether it's, I desire this for my family life, whether it's a sexual desire, whether it's something that you desire, like food, there's, there's so many times where as women, you know, that those things can come up and they're sort of squelched down. And so really, being able to explore what those look like and having the community and the, and the space and the container to explore really what our desires are, um, understand them, and then even learning to ask for them so that, you know, they can be more clear to everyone around that. I think that's a, such powerful work. It really is. And I, I'm continually amazed, even though this is very familiar to me, how, like for one woman, it's easy to say that what she desires is a bigger home with beautiful furniture. And another woman would be like, no, like I, I can't want a bigger home, but yeah, I really want these expensive shoes. And for another woman, it's like, I can't let myself have that. But what I want is to sit in the sunshine occasionally. Like we all have our totally. own unique blueprint of what we feel it's okay to want and what we have judgment of and ourselves. And we feel comfortable others. asking for it as well. Exactly. And life is juicier when you expand what you give yourself permission to want. And it's not about moving into a bigger house, buying new shoes. I mean, it can be that, but it's really fundamentally about your relationship with yourself. And then that leads wherever you want it to. I love that. And that no, there's no desire that is wrong, right? Is There's no desire that is wrong. And what you do with your desire and how you respond to it, well, there's a lot of variation on which responses will actually serve you best. Totally, totally. Alexandra, thank you so much for joining me. There was so much so many, like, I feel like I need to go re-listen to this episode <laughs> 10 times to just, you know, really get everything that even that I, you know, want to out of it. Cause there was so much in there. Um, but if my listeners want to find you and want to learn more, where can they do that? Come to the intimate marriage podcast.com. Then you'll find my website. You can follow me on social media, listen to my podcast, so it's theintimatemarriagepodcast.com. Amazing. I'm going to put all those notes in the show notes. And just again, thank you so much for joining me today. This is amazing. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Growing Empowered Eaters. Before you go, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. 
leave us a five-star review and take a screenshot and send it to me over on Instagram at my handle at ahuva, A-H-U-V-A-R-D, so that I can say a proper thank you for joining me on this mission to growing empowered eaters.